She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday to you all. How has everyone's week been? I know that you can't answer me, but I'd like you just to have a little think about how your week's been going. Um, Did it meet up to your expectations? We place a lot of expectations on ourselves, don't we, right? I'm going to start this on Monday and I'm going to do this, this, this and this. So just check in with yourself where you are at and just know that wherever you're at, it's all good. We put a lot of expectations on ourselves and when we don't meet those expectations that we've placed on ourselves or maybe other people have placed on us, we start to internalise it, we start to beat ourselves up. So wherever you are at, you have got to Friday, so celebrate that. And also, if you have achieved something that you should be really proud of, um, and you did meet expectations for yourself this week, then really take a moment to honour and celebrate that. So often we jump onto the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. We never really just sit in the moment and say, do you know what? I actually did really well and I'm really proud of myself this week for overcoming that or for achieving that thing or just getting to the end of the working week. Um, So I've had a really good week. Um, It's been very, very quick. They do say time flies when you're having fun, right? Um, I don't know about that, but all I know is I can't believe we're like in September already. This week's flown in. I was working Monday was a really busy day. Then I went away on Tuesday and Wednesday this week with Daryl. Daryl and I managed to rope Daryl's mum and dad into watching the kids for us and the dog. And we just took ourselves away for two days. And it was so good just to be away and communicate with each other as a couple. We talked a lot about our own, you know, our own needs, our values and And it was just lovely to own our our needs for ourselves, speak our truth, communicate, spend time together because we get so distracted, especially if you are in a couple, you get really distracted with work, even with TV, right? You come in and you finish work, you're tired, you don't want to have to have a conversation sometimes. So you just stick on the TV and then you know, you go to bed and then it all starts over again and you say to yourself, you know, I need to do this more with my partner. I need to have this time with him or her, but we don't really get around to it. And I would urge you to, again, check in with where you're at in terms of if you're in a relationship right now, you know, are you, are you spending quality time together where you're not being distracted? And if not, make it count carve out that time it's really worth it so it's been really good and on Thursday I had an amazing meeting with two fantastic girls um who I'm going to be doing work with over the next coming months and I'm really excited about that and uh, yeah it's been really busy I finished the empowered women on Thursday night um which has just like been the best journey, the best 10 weeks. I've run a lot of courses, Lynette and I have done them. Um, And this one was one for myself. I've not done my own course for over two years now, and it's just been really incredible. Um, The Empowered Woman, Authentic Success, and it's everything I really feel like I've evolved as I've actually done this. 
these women are really special and actually um we are recording a podcast episode together this weekend and that's going to be coming out in the next few weeks and I am so proud to have those women on the podcast and really share openly honestly authentically about our journeys and um I think that you guys are going to love it so yeah amazing and um I hope that you've all got some lovely plans this weekend so um this week's podcast episode is with another awesome guest. It's Natalie Anderson. So Natalie Anderson, um, you may know At- Nat. I can't even speak. You may know Natalie from being in Emmerdale, which is an amazing soap in the UK. Um, she was in Emmerdale for a number of years and she left a few years ago. Um, and she's just created the most amazing things Um, And she is continuing to create the most amazing things. Um, She's working on some big projects this year and next year, guys. So it's such an honour to get her as a guest on the show. Um, In this episode, Natalie really opens up and shares vulnerably um, and honestly about her own struggles with anxiety and overcoming anxiety. Um, We talk about boundaries love languages, relationships. Um, So it's really, I love this conversation because it was like really speaking to a friend. And I know that so many of you are going to relate to this. I think sometimes we look at people in the public eye and we put them on a pedestal or we judge and we think we know them based on their character or what we see or what we have seen on social media. With Natalie, this this conversation was, was really open and real and everything that this podcast represents really um in the show notes I've I've noted down how you can connect with Natalie she has her own podcast and she's got an amazing platform called the capsule and if you want to connect with her on the capsule it's at official capsule on Instagram and you can also listen to her awesome podcast um she does a lot with well-being So yeah, really great convo guys. So I know that I've just chatted to you for probably like about six or seven minutes, but without further ado, let's go in and um, let's chat to Natalie. Actually, before I say, before we go into this episode, um, guys, my doors are still open for the next Empowered Women starting on Thursday, the 7th of October. So I am only taking five women through this and this is the last opportunity that you have to work with me on a deeper level, a deeper coaching level, we work through so many layers of your being and you will come out of this program, this 10-week program with me feeling so alive and connected to yourself and your needs. So I've already got two spaces. I've gone, I only have three spaces left. So if you want a space and you want to have a conversation, go to the show notes. All the links are in there. And yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. Have an amazing weekend, guys. See you soon. She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie. So welcome to the She Loves Herself podcast, Natalie Anderson. Hi. Hello. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on. And I, I have wanted to ask you actually onto my podcast since I started it in season one. Um, and we have a mutual friend in Natasha Hamilton. Yes. And she has spoken about you. And I was like, I really need to get Natalie oh. on the podcast. And I absolutely love what you're doing because there's so much 
to you and actually there's so much to everyone and this is the thing I think sometimes we put ourselves or maybe we get put in boxes to begin with and then we stay contained in our boxes but actually there's so much to all of us but there's so much that you are doing and that you have done and Natalie I first recognized you from of course Emmerdale (laughs) (laughs) and I'm sure you get that a lot I Um, love that though you know I'm so proud of that I'm really proud of it so it's it's lovely to still have people mention that and talk about it because I was it's you know something I'm really proud of yeah definitely so you were in that soap for quite a number of years and you were a big character in that soap for a number of years too yeah, she was a huge character and she, you know, she had, she changed a lot as well. And I think that's what I really loved about her was I was really, um, it really mattered to me that as a woman, she, we showed her highs and lows and we showed her evolution as well, because I, I was like, she can't just stay the same. Like these things have impacted her, you know, she got shot and there's something else happened to her. I was like, these things are going to impact you as a real person. You know, what would her take on life be after that? And I think that the lucky thing with the soap is you're able to go on that journey because it's continuous with a film or a play. You've got to plot that journey out. Whereas you can actually live and breathe it a bit more on a, on a soap. And, and I did live that journey with her and I loved her evolution for who, from who, she was when she started to who she was when she left and and the audience came with me on that journey and that was really lovely and and something that you know I spoke to a lot of women about um particularly nearer the end um of her storyline you know she'd gone through an abuse storyline and that was it was really hard and I wanted to obviously do it as much justice as I possibly could but the messages that I got from lots of women and you know it just it was it's a funny word to use this but it was a privilege to have that storyline to be able to you know uh, highlight those other women's situations and men as well and it was yeah it 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 really helped me that character because it helped me learn a lot about myself as well yeah definitely and just before we started recording we were actually talking about how connected we are as human beings and as energy and even though that may not have happened to you in real life, I guess when you are embodying a role of a character, you take on that emotion. Oh my God, you absolutely do. And I had this conversation with another actress at the time and, you know, you have to be able to kind of convince, portray, emote um, a lot of very intense emotions when you're playing a storyline like that and you do put your own body through the mill you do you know I lost weight and I was a nervous wreck for so much of the time because I was living somebody else's life for basically 12 hours a day and I was crying and worrying and and then having to come home and try and you know take that coat off and I was a new mum at the time my son was only like oh 10 months old when I went back to work no not even sorry not even 10 months old he was 11 weeks old when I went back to work but when I went into that storyline he was only just like a year old so I had a little boy at home who was you know you're trying to juggle early motherhood it's mm. very intense storyline and me as a person I'm I take on people's energies you know I can walk into a room and go mm. oh somebody's in a bad mood and it'll affect me and it makes me sad so to try and juggle all those different energies at that time was very difficult and um 
you know, and, and I needed to give myself a rest actually after that. It was kind of like, I need some time out. And when I did leave, that's the first thing I did was I just had quite a bit of time out to just reset my body and my mm-hmm. own mind. Because as you've just said then, and I didn't know too much then, like what I know now about healing, self-help, um, self-care, you know, looking after yourself, energies. I didn't know really anything about that. It was nearly 10 years ago, I suppose. And the conversation was different as well yeah, then. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how to manage any of that at all. So I needed that time out to kind of figure out what was going on internally with me. <laughs> so it was a bit of a mess. It's complete trauma though. Like, okay, you know... But the thing is, your body doesn't know the difference between, like, or your mind doesn't really know the difference between, like, what's made up and what's reality. It's what you actually, the energy that you take on. And when you're taking on that role, of course, your body's like, this has happened to me. This is real trauma. And you mentioned 10 years ago, and I think that's a really interesting point because I know 10 years ago... no one really talked about this stuff and I'm sure they did, but I never saw it. Like when I started this three and a half years ago, the work that I'm doing, Natalie, no one around me meditated. I was like weird in my, in my, in my immediate sort of circle and in my town where I live. It was, it's not, I mean, it's, it's evolved massively in the last few years, but there's no way like people talked about the way they did. It was very masculine, you know, like just get on with it, keep going, you know, don't be weak, don't talk about it, especially as women and men, really, to be honest, uh, you know, it affects everyone, this actually, because men feel like they need to take on a role of being strong and not crying. Women don't want to be, in inverted commas, weak women. So then we try and keep up with the masculine energy and it's like, well, we can do all of that. And actually your body is supposed to process every single feeling, emotion, all the good and the bad emotions that we're told are bad, like anger, fear. You know, we don't want to feel those. Oh, I feel angry. I don't want to feel angry. So I'm just going to like keep myself busy Mm -hmm. and, you know, think of something good. Actually, anger is a really powerful and incredible emotion. If we don't allow it to work through our body, we suppress it and we get sick. Yeah, you do definitely get sick. And you know, and what you just said then, and I've said this before on the podcast that I do with my wellness business, which is, to be honest, like you, off the back of things that I'd experienced and no one was talking about it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't possibly be the only one feeling this anxious. And I wasn't. And then I was putting stuff out and then it was almost secretive. It was like a secret club, like people that were responding in the middle of the night. And I was thinking, well, why why is this happening? Like just at 12 o'clock, you know, an article would go out of our website and it'd go through the roof and and I'd check what it was. It was all about healing and self-love and anxiety. And I'd be thinking to myself, I wonder if there's a load of people just sat with their own worry, worrying away, being really anxious all feeling like I felt like I was the only one. But really, if we all kind of came together, we'd be going, oh, it's not just me. And 
you know, that happened to me with my business and same with you, it, 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 that evolved and it became what it is now. And on my podcast, I, I talked a lot about, um, I'm a child of like the 1980s, like the Thatcher era. And she was, you know, obviously this iconic woman who was the prime minister, but she was her mother. And, you know, she she was kind of the, the figurehead for working mothers, whether you liked her or disliked her, whichever way your politics were. As a child growing up, for me, I saw this lady basically running the country whilst being a mother and then thinking, yeah. And yeah. then the Spice Girls came in and it was girl power. <laughs> yeah. and, and I grew up thinking, you have to be able to boss absolutely everything. Otherwise... Yeah you're a bit of a failure if you yeah oh and that's God. how I fell and oh, and, and then my mother-in-law said to me when I was kind of really struggling with things my mother-in-law because she's amazing my mother-in-law she does everything is like perfect almost you know, the way she makes a bed the way she makes a packed lunch and that's I'm like exciting. it's amazing <laughs> but she said to me Natalie I never had to do all the other things that you do how you do all of it and managed to make any of it happen is beyond me. She was like, in when I grew up, the women were homemakers, caregivers, or they did go to work, but they had help from aunties, grandmas. You know, it was a very different time, the time that we as women are living through now. Mm. We have had so much on our plate that it's almost inevitable that many of us will be suffering from burnout, which we are. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And actually it's it's so interesting because um, I too grew up in the 80s. So I'm 41 now and I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the female then, the figurehead, like, you know, is that badass, fierce. Yes. Fierce, you know, and it's like you said, bossing everything, but like never showing that mm-hmm. weakness. Although it's not like never seen someone cry. Um, and so we learn this behavior to actually really be, to try and be so much in our mask. And I see such a shift and you'll see this too, Natalie, with the work that you do. Um there is much more around, although there is still the secret club of, oh God, can I say it? Yeah. But um, it is starting to shift. I remember even, even just a few years ago, so in my masculine energy, I didn't even realise, I always thought I was pretty balanced. I'm like really, you know, I'm a very loving person, but also this real fear of allowing you know, vulnerability in, like asking for what I really, really wanted. Like I would say what I wanted on a conscious level, but actually on an unconscious level, I wasn't really meeting my needs. I wasn't really saying, oh my God, you know, this is my truth. And really speaking my truth unapologetically, because there was still this fear of, you know, attachment to, or what if that upsets this person? Or what if these people reject me if I really say, how I really feel about a situation. I totally agree with that. And and I think, you know, what you were saying then about the masculine and the feminine energies, you know, another big person for me in my life at that time was Madonna. And, yeah. you know, she, she kind of really did take on quite a masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And I think in my early kind of 20s, I would say I tried to emulate that. Like, yeah. um, 
it's so what if you're a bitch, you know, not yeah. not that I ever was, but in my own head, I used to think, well, you have to kind yeah. of be ballsy and you have to kind of put yourself out there and you have to. But then what I found was in doing so, then you attract a lot of criticism. Yeah. Now, I am the most like nervous person when it comes to things like that. And for me, it, that totally made me withdraw. And I was like, oh, even if I felt it inside, I couldn't possibly put it out there because I was too afraid of being criticised or being seen as anything but um, nice and polite. And the way that my mum had brought me up, you know, as a good, well-mannered young girl. girl. Like, yeah, a good girl. Like, you know, and that, that phrase in itself, a good girl, mm-hmm. that's something else girl. I've had to learn to kind of understand and almost get rid of a bit. Like, there's another brilliant song, I think it's Meredith Brooks, which is, um, you know, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother, I'm a yeah. sinner, I'm a saint. And I love that because I just think All of it. that's really what we are. Is we're, we're not just one thing. You're, al- you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to be good and sometimes bad. And that's the part of being a human being and part of being a woman as well. You know, we, we're not, we don't have to fall into two categories of being the the vixen and the saint, you know, we're everything, all of us. And if you ask, I love watching, um, oh, bless her, she's just passed away, but, the, you know, there's Mary and Marina on Gogglebox, the yeah. two older ladies, and oh they're so God. filthy yeah. and the things that they talk about. And I'm like, I bet your lives have been absolutely, like, chaotic and, like, amazing. And I'd love to sit down with you and hear more because, actually, you know, even if you look at your grandparents, There'll be some things in there that happened in life, you know, and, and they've learned from it and they've moved on and acceptance. And there's just lots of things that I think I'm learning as I'm approaching my 40s as to what what the rules are and what we should listen to, and what we shouldn't listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, like I said, a lot of the good girl thing for me was always on my shoulders of, mm. you know, do well in school, be polite, be people this. People please Yeah, people please. Don't, don't offend anybody. Don't be too controversial because if you're too controversial and too opinionated, people won't like you. Yeah, and Even don't, if you feel don't strongly. You know, don't celebrate yourself. Don't say, oh, I'm really good at this. Oh, like your podcast. I love the name of your podcast. She loves herself. Yeah. Because we were always taught, like, or, or told, like, in school, like, that was the, the most awful phrase, wasn't it? If you heard that about yourself or somebody else, oh, she loves herself. You'd be like, oh, I hope they don't think that about me. <laughs> but you know what the scary thing is? I've said that before. Mm. Oh, your God. Like, not recently, but I have. Like, at school, I probably say, oh, my God, look, oh, she's nice, but... She totally loves herself. Yeah. And I never see it. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe that. Like, and that that is why I called it that. And I'm looking, I've got this, a client actually made me this um, sort of canvas and all about she loves herself. And I'm looking at it just now. And so she should. Yeah. And so she should. Absolutely. You know, we take on this narrative of, be good but don't be that good because people don't like that mm. and we play small like I I know and and it's and it's so strong that as human beings and particularly as women we are only playing out a teeny teeny part of our capability like we are so capable of achieving incredible things in our lives whatever success looks like to you like success 
is different to different mm-hmm. people. Um, but actually, um, and some people will always go for the external things. And for me, it always comes down to being an inside out job because we see so many people with incredible things that that look amazing the aesthetics look great but they're struggling internally because to receive as a woman particularly we don't fully open ourselves up to receive you know like imagine like if we just were so open to receiving you know everything that was on offer for us but again we are so scared so we we cannot really hold up that wall and that block and we don't allow ourselves to really speak about what our deepest deepest desires are and what our truth is um, through fear and I love that we were talking about the good girl thing because that's a massive thing that that women have taken on you know well actually I don't want to do that but I better do it because I'm not a good girl if I don't yeah definitely Um, it's it's a funny one um it's I had a conversation with the fabulous Chloe Brotheridge, um, who's an anxiety expert as well. And she she talked to me about um, almost prehistoric times, like back in the caveman times. Like if you were, you know, it, it was such a bad thing to be cast out of the tribe because, because you would literally die because you were so vulnerable. And, you know, but, but, but literally we're talking like a, a lion could eat you or yeah. something could, you know, you would not survive on your own. Absolutely. And she said, but we don't have that threat now, but yet, it's ingrained in our DNA that to be part of the tribe. But if you get cast out of the tribe now, you will survive. No, no lion is going to eat you. No, no, but, but yeah, it's because it's it's through our you know ancestral bloodline. Yeah. We have taken that on because we needed it. We needed community to survive. And actually, when you actually start to speak your truth and live, you know, more authentically and vulnerably, you attract the right people and you let go of the things that that no longer serve you, the people that no longer serve you. But again, I hear a lot from people saying, I'm so scared that, you know, if I if I start to really step into my power, then it's going to impact my relationship with my partner. Um, it's going to impact my relationship with my children. And so we we stop and we actually um, honour the needs of other people and completely dishonour our own needs to make other people happy because we're so scared of um, making other people unhappy. And I wanted to actually ask you, as I'm saying this now, you talked a little bit about feeling anxious, like going back 10 years ago. So are you like, what actually, what was that? What happened at that time? And how did you overcome it? You know, to be really honest, I've always had anxiety in some form or another, Mm -hmm. even as a child. Like I, you know, my mum was a single parent. Uh, she was very, very young when she had me, and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. And you know, and they were like my grandma in particular was very strict. Um, but I think more than anything, it was the my mum was just doing her best. Bless her, she worked you know three jobs, and that dis that dis kind of dis not not disconnect because I obviously did see her, but the fact that I didn't have control over like that situation and you know it would change quite often and I'd be at my grandparents or I'd be here and I'd be there and I developed quite an anxiety as a child. Like mm-hmm. I just wanted some constant, some normality and what I saw from my other friends. And that just developed to be really honest with you. And and then into I started working professionally when I was about uh, 14 for the BBC and off the back of that job 
people would kind of uh, shout things at me on the bus and you know I was I was in the public eye at that point and mm-hmm. and I it, that made me nervous it made me nervous that people knew who I was and that I was open to it like I said criticism at that age so then that made me kind of go inside myself a little bit and that and then that continued really all the way into my teens and at drama school I had a really bad um like thing that happened at drama school where I was about to do a, a pretend audition shall we say and my drama teacher just t- completely and utterly annihilated me in front mm. of everybody and that embarrassment and shame and you know I mean it, that happened to a lot of people and to be honest I think he's been given the red card in the boot actually since then because it wasn't the right thing to do particularly as you know my my mum and my stepdad at the time then were going through a divorce and I was only 18 19 living away from home and you know I I do feel very strongly that he shouldn't have necessarily been in that position to influence such young and um, impressionable people at that time which for me it made my anxiety worse and it made me feel like whenever I went into an audition my anxiety would start I would I'd hate the feeling I wouldn't do a good job and I had to really fight really hard to push the nerves away but I think then when I became a mum you know and those I didn't experience it for a little while and then all those early kind of panic moments stress emotional moments just came and hit me tenfold when I became a mother because obviously your hormones come into play then as well and you know there's so much going on and then the thing of being a failure and hearing those voices, you failed, you failed. Yeah, that for me is where it started to really ramp up. Um, and and I know I'm not alone in that, like the fear of failure, particular mm-hmm. with with so many people can totally exacerbate their, um, their anxiety. But, you know, in my industry, when you're going up for a job and you might go up for 50 jobs and it's all no's and they don't necessarily give you a reason why, what do you do? You start looking at yourself and going, well, it's definitely me. It's it's something to do with me, but I don't know exactly what it is to do with me, but it's it's me. So I just, was, was it I wasn't good enough? I wasn't pretty enough? I wasn't this enough? You're not enough, enough, enough. So that makes you a failure. And mm. this is kind of why I started, like I said, doing the things that I did with just googling a lot really of about you know how even just it started with like how to sleep and it, and I ended up getting a neon spray for my pillow and I really got involved with um like Nicola who's the founder of, of neon her principles moments of me time moments moments of calm and understanding and and then the more I started to look at other women who were you know in successful positions, I would say, but not as you said earlier, you know, people's version of success is very different. A lot of them had gone through this journey and mm-hmm. had come to a place of gone through like the treacle, which is how I refer to it, like walking through treacle mm-hmm. and let some things go. And like she was so influential to me when she said, it's all right to operate at 70%. I'm like, what? <laughs> that is completely alien to me. I don't do that. I'm a 110% person. She was like, how can you possibly juggle all of those balls well like that? She's like, you've got to let some of it go and the things that are meant to be for you, you will then focus on and then they will grow and you'll have lots of self-worth because self-worth, I think, is 
the most important thing. And Mm -hmm. again, why I love your podcast, you know, the title, she loves herself. I was always taught that, you know, you shouldn't be selfish. You shouldn't Mm. be too big headed. You know, you don't, you don't be boastful. So then you, like you said earlier, you, you get rid of a lot of that stuff. And I totally did fall into that people pleaser trap, which then became circular. And I'd just go from people pleasing to feeling bad, to then wanting to people please again to make myself feel better, to then feeling bad, to then people pleasing again. And you're just running around on a hamster wheel. And only when I got off of it, really, and I started to build my own thing, kind of unapologetically, like you said, did I then start to have that bit of, I've done this all by myself, you know, and a bit of self-worth and a little pat on the back for yourself. And I think that was it, really. It was that journey. And I'm still totally on it. You know, don't oh, get me wrong. Geez, the days yeah. when I cry my eyes out all the time. Yeah, I did a big trauma session this week. And I was like, I went into it absolutely calm. And, I, and through it, I was like, a, it was like an exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come out of it and you're like, right, that that was obviously needed, you know. And, and people are so scared of their emotions, though. Mm. I don't want to go there. And when I'm with a client, right, I'll say to them, and I get, I like to get people to close down their eyes because I think when we close our eyes, we can go inside there's no things going on around. There's no pictures to look at. There's no distractions. We close our eyes. We can really come inside into the body, not the head. And the head will tell us one thing, but actually it's the body that keeps the score. That it knows the truth. And when we can come into that heart space and, and just connect and people, you can physically see people like biting their lip and the emotions come in. And I, I'll say to them, just let it come. Like your heart is big enough. You have so much love inside you to hold space for that pain, for that emotion. Just hold space for it. Let it come. Let it move through your body. And then it goes. And it's like we, we, we're programmed to fear. You know, even as children, don't cry. Don't cry. Yeah. You know, they're falling over. They're like legs hanging off. Come on, you're all right. Get up. <laughs> but you know we learn and you talk about how you learn from you know your lineage we learned to keep quiet we think about our parents I remember my mum would say like from her parents again like children should be seen and not heard right so everything changes and when you something really interesting that you said Natalie about when you became a mum and I noticed this right and I don't know if you ever have thought about this when you become a mum it really triggers your own inner child because all of a sudden you're you remember things as a child so sometimes when you do something for your child or your child gets something that you maybe never got because mm. in the 80s I don't know about you but nobody really had that much <laughs> we didn't have nothing I no. always reminded my son of this and then he's like but I don't know and I get really cross <laughs> with myself because I'm like I didn't have this you know I didn't get this and then you're like, that, oh. that's the old inner child as well because we're yeah. like you're so ungrateful. Like I had, I never got that. I had a key for my house at nine years old. And you know, like, like I, and I can relate to so much what you were saying. Like my mum worked three jobs, single parent. I spent a lot of time with my granny. So my sister and I went to my granny's every day after school and we got the bus and stuff at like nine, like so young, it was different then. Right. So I know there's probably some people like listening to this going, Oh my God. But everyone did that in the eighties. Like yeah. honestly, like you came in when the light, when the when the lights, street lights came on at night and stuff. But what it has 
it really triggered um, inner child stuff for me to have to go into my own inner child. And and I have an amazing mum, but almost had to kind of reparent the emotion. So actually going into a feeling of not feeling safe, but as a child, not being able to speak up and say, I don't, I, I want my mum. Yeah. Like you were like, you, you just, you know, you didn't really do that. And so being a mum is like, is such a journey, but also it really triggers us to go in and heal parts of our inner child, ourselves. Totally. I had this conversation very recently about self-parenting and how you have to kind of learn. And you'll have obviously experienced this now as with your mum, you know, being in, in, she's not very well. And you now have to step up and Mm -hmm. really parent and help her as well. She's not this like formidable figure. Like I used to see my mum as just literally the everything of everythingness and no vulnerabilities, no nothing. Yeah. And she was just like this. I I have always called her Lara Croft or like GI Jane. You know, she was just like that badass. My mum gets called the bionic woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? And so it's Whoa. kind of. But as I've got older and I've seen my mum's vulnerabilities and I've seen mm-hmm. how she's sometimes struggled and I've really reflected on her life. Even when she went through her divorce, I, you know, my mum was one of four as well. I said, oh my God, you, like, you never lived on your own ever until you were 40. She was like, no. Whereas I, I, you know, I went off to university. I've lived in London. I've done, I've done a lot of living by myself, and and it made me see her so differently. I was like, God, of course this is going to be like so absolutely horrendous for you because you've come from a busy family. Then you've had me at home, young girl. You're juggling three jobs, and then you know, then we were a family with my stepdad, and then it's chaos, and then I've got friends coming and going. Da 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 da. It's noisy, 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 and then suddenly now, you're alone. And it, that start of that journey, probably 20 years ago, was when I really started to think and see my mum differently and look at how that parenting role with her as I was a child, now, as you're saying, I've had to kind of reparent myself, not not in a horrible way, no, no. not in a horrible way at all, because no. you know, my mum's absolutely amazing, but just in a way of going, ah, I see now, like especially now that I'm a parent to Fred, my son, I see now some of the different boundaries that we set or that weren't set. Or I see kind of, you know, like, again, the, some of the very old fashioned disciplinarian things that I went through, you know, I don't necessarily apply to my son. And we have very open conversations about his mental health, about the way he feels. And I don't know how that's going to transpire, you know, in the next 20 years, but I'm just saying that that the work that I'm doing on myself now and that I've I'm looking at my mum as well and her next part of her journey and then trying to kind of tie the two together and then parent my son. It's do you know what I mean? It's such a oh, weird thing, isn't it, that journey? Totally. And actually it never ends. I actually parent my children so differently from how I did five years ago. Because I learned, it's all learned behaviour. Yeah. We learn. And actually, um, again, and I shared this 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 week, actually, Natalie, about how we celebrate the selfless woman. 
oh, she's amazing. She's so selfless and she puts everyone before everyone else. And I'm like, my God, no wonder we struggle to get our needs met and we struggle to speak our truth because sometimes we don't and have boundaries. And actually, because it's like we've learned that actually, you know, well, if you say no, when you should say yes, even though your whole being is saying no, you're like, okay, I'll do that thing that I really don't want to do. And we ha- then we end up with resentment and anger and it's like poison coursing through our body. And then we're like smiling on the outside, but inside we're like, I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm so pissed off and I'm so angry. Ah, And then this whole resentment thing comes up. It's like, oh, and, and this is why I think times are changing, but there is still this thing of, and I see it with so many people, you're so selfish if you if you do that. And we don't ask for what we really want deeply. We'll say to a level, but I, I still feel like there's, and I, I, I'm, I'm going through this myself, creating boundaries. And I thought surface level, my boundaries were good. Like I'd be like, no, or yes, or whatever. But actually boundaries with the people closest to me. Yeah. That's so important. I've had this just again very recently with boundaries and it was a, one of my best friends who has has had a reputation so unfairly when I think about it now. God, since I've known her so for probably nearly 25 years, she was always the first person to say no. She was always the first person to say, how does that affect my time? And always the first, honestly, and this is going back to when we were about 16, she'd be like, no, I'm not doing it. Why? And I'd go, why? Just come. She's like, no, because I don't really like anybody there. I'm like, so just show up, just be nice, be nice. That's what I used to say. Be nice. Be nice. But I am. I'm being nice to me. I don't want to go. And she had that attitude 25 years ago. And then I lived with her in London, and she used to say to me, Natalie, I am so sick and tired of seeing you in this apartment crying upset in anguish because you've got to go and meet all these commitments that you didn't really want to do that you've said yes to because you felt bad that if you said no everybody wouldn't like you and I see the other side of it where you're so upset and tense and crying and then you you go to these things and you put on this happy face like hi hi everybody she said and and now I'm learning through her and, you know, I tried to adopt some of her mentalities after that period in my life. And it was difficult for me because it just went against everything that I knew. But as I'm getting older, I'm definitely going, you had it down like you knew yeah. from day dot. Because now nobody crosses her boundaries. Everybody knows what to expect with her. She has People respect her so much. She gets so much done, but then she equally is the most generous person. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's achieved so much, but she always gives back to everybody. Like, you know, when, when she's in town, she'd be the first person to, to ring you, to come and see you because she really wants to. And she's, mm-hmm. she's just a really amazing person, but somebody that I look at now and go, well, what would she do? What would she do in that situation? And, you know, sometimes she said, you know, I've lost friends through it. I've lost friends through putting my boundaries up. But I had to protect me at the end of the day. You know, I had goals and things that I wanted to achieve. And I had to protect me and and her mum as well. You know, and she was like, and that's really where it started was with me and my mum. And that's what was most important to me. And if anything kind of interrupted that, then 
I really had to say, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And it's so important. But I don't know if she knew that like 20 odd years ago. No, she maybe learned then because what that sounds like, you know, she's, I don't know if you've ever read the book Attached, Natalie. So there's the four different attachment styles and it sounds like she's pretty securely attached and always has been. But when you think about yourself um, and me, actually, because we're quite similar. And, yeah. Right? So you were maybe anxious attached as a child because your mum was working three jobs and you realise that. You realise that. But as a child, you want your mum. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, but you're told like, well, you know, your granny's your family, you're going there and that's it. And you're like, oh, I do love my granny, but I really just want to play with my friends or, or see my mum. But you you learn to just be like, well, that's just the way it is. You know, your mum works. And so you become that kind of anxious attached and being a good girl and not rocking the boat. And my sister was different from me. She was more kind of destructive as a little child. So I, and, and more sort of feisty. And so she would kick off. And so I learned to be more of a good girl very, very early on. And then as I got older, what I found was I became anxious avoidant. So when you are an attached style, as you, when you're very young, you can sort of change as you get older. So when I I learned, I don't need anyone. I'm very independent. Mm. I didn't really like needy people. I would be like, oh, back off, you know. So, and this is all these different attachment styles. And your friend was obviously very securely attached. And she's like, well, this is what I'm doing. And that's just the way it is. And there was just no attachment. And again, we can change. So anyone listening to this thinking, oh, what attachment style am I? It's such a great book. And you don't even need to buy the actual book. You could just look up attachment styles and read up on the four different attachment styles. But what it helps you realize is why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a partner, it's really good because it starts to, you understand, God, his attachment style is this. And actually my attachment style is that. And that's why we're either connected or really disconnected right now because he's maybe anxious attached and I'm anxious avoidant or or whatnot but it's it's really really interesting you see I find that so fascinating and you know my husband and I are definitely polar opposites in the sense that he I'm, I'm very emotional I I do but those emotions and those feelings do come out you know I, do, I, I tend to kind of wear my heart on my sleeve particularly at home whereas he is very closed off and you know sometimes it's like trying to claw it out of him if there's a problem or he's worried about something um, and we've evolved you know as we've been together we've been together what nearly 20 years ourselves so 17 years and we've definitely our love language to so to yeah. speak has changed and I've realised some things that I've said or he said to me and we've had to have those, you know, really kind of meaningful conversations, often born out of a fight or an argument Mm -hmm. that have then unopened like a wound or something that needs actually sorting out for us to then move forward. Because that's so important that you and your partner can have those kind of conversations because if you don't and you become so separate, it just it's a recipe for disaster and I I can say that because we've been up and down and you know round about the mill and gone away and come back together so many times um but I do know that obviously that is possible that you can feel so far apart and then a year later you can feel so deeply connected and you know which is why I'm always kind of with my friends if there's issues I'm like oh don't throw the towel in just yet just 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 try just you know just just what just like let's just see you know is it really the end 
Yeah, and I think that's it. But what happens is we can bail out of a relationship and end a relationship without actually number one the communication number two understanding each other's for example love language um, or attachment style and also doing the work like again we take on you know he's doing this to me he's doing this he's doing this he's doing this actually we we take on a responsibility to try and fix them but when we can just work on ourselves either we'll grow together or you'll move apart you'll separate but your job is only ever to work on you yeah definitely I I think that's so true in the past I've kind of I've had this conversation with my husband actually myself of where I'm like but I need you to make me feel better you know I need you to make I I need you to make me feel a certain way Mm -hmm. I need you and that's like no actually I should just feel that way about myself. Like I need to feel good in myself. I need to have self-worth and then I won't be so needy on you. Then I won't be looking at you going, make me feel a million dollars or or do this for me. Or, you know, do, do, you know what I mean? Those vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've only learned probably again in the last three to four years of giving myself the time and myself the love and self-parenting myself and mm-hmm. helping me as now resulted in me being a much better more well-rounded more helpful person to the rest of my family you know rather than being the the one that I often felt like this will make you laugh you know like Gollum in in Lord of the Rings (laughs) where he goes from being like this kind of happy-go-lucky kind of hobbit to like just like horrible because you're so like riddled with all kinds of different resentment and emotions and you feel like you've had all your energies depleted and because you're given you're you're given all the time and there's nothing left oh I know and again it goes back to what we've learned around the woman particularly being the giver and never receiving my biggest biggest thing that I've had to work on in this and and the journey I've been on is how to receive I thought well I do receive you know I couldn't if someone said to me oh you know like even like this year right I worked with another coach this year um and he said to me oh you know you struggle then to receive I was like no he's like yeah you do you do I'm like I don't (laughs) and I thought about it I was like I really do and I actually he he made me do this thing it was called a celebration circle right and I had to get on a mix of clients that I've worked with family members which made my stomach oh yeah and a few things and they all had to come on a zoom call and I had to see on mute and they had to all tell them me what they thought of me well I didn't sleep a wink that night and um, I cried and I was like in front of everyone before it even started because I had I was terrified of receiving because it's so vulnerable to actually receive. It's all right giving because we're in control when we give. Yeah. Give, 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 give. And actually, and when we'll say things like, I just want something back. Like, I'm, I want this. I want you to make me feel good. I want you to understand my love language. <laughs> yeah. But actually, like, to, to actually be, oh, God. I, I, like, in the beginning, he said to me, like, how do you feel right now? And I was like, I don't know what to do with us. I was like, and I think everyone was on it to do that in front of like people that I've worked with. And 
I said, I feel vulnerable. And I've named my emotions. I was like, I feel vulnerable. I feel scared. I feel weak. I feel needy. It feels off. And anyway, we went through it and everyone said this and I had to receive, like really open up to receive because I've never received. Like when people will say to me, oh, listen, you've, you've, you've helped me transform my life. And that was amazing. I'm like, yeah, thanks. But it was like this wall was up, not intentionally that I was just like, yeah, thank you so much. And then I was like, no, actually feel the words ever let myself feel the words like can you resonate with that I can in some respects um and also though I you see I'm such a crier like I cry and and I'm I have these balls of emotion that kind of and even every event that I do and I'll nearly cry and it's the most unprofessional thing to do you're there as the host you know what I mean to make everybody feel good and everything and I'm literally like especially you know nine times out of ten the work that I get asked to do is either for a charity or for something that's really important you know you've been asked to kind of come along and help support and I can't help then going like oh my god we're in this room and you know we've got we can do a good job and I'm thinking all those things and I'll start immediately almost crying going ah guys I'm gonna cry just because the emotion is so there and then when people say oh you know you did a good job or whatever I, I then go oh right thank you same you know I, I I don't I think I kind of get all my I don't know maybe I'm just like you so emotional to begin with that mm-hmm. when it comes back to either you know a compliment or a pat on the back or something it's kind of just like okay thank you so much you know I got, for me I think I got through it I think that's the main thing it's like mm-hmm. oh well I got through it so thank you um, but in terms of, you know, all those feelings and, yeah, like receiving is a strange one, really. Because one of the things my mum always did tell me and teach me was, you know, receive a compliment. And I still, to this day, find that a bit tricky because I'm kind of like, if someone says, oh, you look really lovely. My instinct is to go, no, don't be silly. I got this from so-and-so. It was only a fiver. Da, 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 and I'll play it always down. Mm-hmm. And my mum always goes, you know, don't do that just say thank you very much and I'm like oh it feels so awkward I don't like it I don't want it I don't want to have that I just want to go no no don't be silly you know and let's put it back on you because I just do find that very difficult but then at the same time my mum said yeah but you don't want to come across as like you're fishing for more compliments so just kind of accept it say thank you and then you move on but and if it happens to me I always then walk away going do they think I'm an idiot? Do they think I'm really big-headed? Do they think I love myself? Do they think that... Do you know what I mean? And I go straight back into that space. It goes back to the fear of, you know, and even though consciously now we're like, we know this stuff, but actually it's the hardwired programming that's in us. And it is just taking little steps and noticing, even saying thank you, but not rushing away, like having a pause after it, thank you, and try and allow your body to open up to receive. We're supposed to receive, like, like we are supposed to receive as women and men, really. But again, it is, it's that hardwired programming that, that stops us and it, it takes us into the kind of, oh, this is uncomfortable. This doesn't feel that comfortable. So I'll change the subject or I'll move on. I am definitely getting better at it since that crazy exercise that I had to do. I have to say as well, when I was younger, and this goes back to our kind of like Madonna-esque kind of Margaret Thatcher thing, I remember um, 
having a boyfriend actually that I probably when I was about 20, 21 and who had a very good job and he kind of wanted to spoil me quite a lot. And I found that so uncomfortable and to the point where I ended the relationship because I was just like, this is too, do you think, and I was so aggressive with it. You think you own me. Like, you know, I think you you think you own me now. So if you buy me this, that doesn't mean that you own me. You do understand. And I was so absolutely aggressive with it, like to the point of being quite horrible, really. And it was this inane thing inside me that I didn't want to be beholden to anybody. So therefore, I'm not kind of going to receive anything Mm -hmm. that you give me because then you'll you'll want it back. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I've always had that thing as well. And I don't yeah. want to own I don't want, yeah, exactly. No one owns me. I am me, but that's actually inherent. That's that's a that's the truth though, actually. And I think for me, no one owns anyone. Do you yeah. know? But, but actually, and a lot of the time people will say, I want this because when I have that, I'll have freedom. Or when I when I, I it's when I say to people, like, what what do you really want? Most people just want to feel free and have yeah. contentment. Um, and how do we get that? We get that from meeting our own needs, first of all, and actually asking for what we want, speaking our truth. And living our truth, like that is it. When you talked about self-love, you said um, something about self, something else. You called it, Natalie. Oh, it's went. Oh, I don't know. So I said self-love, self-parenting, and and obviously self-care. Um, Self-something. And then I, it made me think about self-love. And I, when I think about self-love, what's underneath that is self-honour. Yeah. Like really honouring the self. Because I think when we talk about self-love and self-care, people uh, on a surface level will think of, you know, okay, I'll um, have a bubble bath or I'll go out a walk. But actually, it's so much deeper than that. It's actually honouring the self, like really honouring your needs. We're so scared to really say how we feel and actually meet our needs first before anyone else. But I'm so passionate about empowering um people in general to figure out what their values are what are your core values and are you living them because I know my core values I didn't even know what they were until about four years ago because I used to have everyone else's values or I my core value is honesty and that is like that is one of them right but I was like um and family and you know all of these things that I should be saying and when I actually did an exercise of okay so okay here's your core values and this is for anyone to do this like write down what your core values are some people will be stuck with even thinking about it some people might write actually what as kind of standard things that they write and then on the next piece of paper are you living your values where are you living these values so many people don't live their core values because they don't actually even know what they are but also I think as well it's very difficult you know none of this is easy and that's something that I really learn and and you know I'm continuing to learn that when you do go through this process there will naturally be a time when some people will leave your life potentially and there's there's you know a time where you might then outgrow friends and family Mm -hmm. or you know and that's very difficult and for a lot of people, you know, doing that process and doing that kind of work, 
just stems a bit of discomfort it's it being uncomfortable and therefore it feels a safer place to stay where they are so I totally understand if people you know it's not for them I mean I've I've definitely found that it's been such a long journey however I can absolutely say now that in my own heart through this difficult growth process I'm definitely in a place now where I feel genuinely so much happier in my life like there's people that have left my life that I would have given so much time to that even if they text me I'd look at the phone and I'd immediately immediately my gut would be like (gasps) and I'd have a feeling and when you look back at that and you think well why did why did I have that that feeling with that friend you know what was it in that moment but yet I continue to try and really persevere with that friendship for so long to the point where it drained me and then the minute I started looking to myself and probably being a bit more selfish just concentrating on my own little family unit you know me my husband and my son and then you know my my parents and stuff then there were people that were like oh she's changed and it's like yeah I have I have changed and I have I've no longer let you take advantage of me I no longer I've now put my boundaries up and the reason that you're unhappy with me is because you were taking advantage of me and I'm not going to let that happen now and that process of those people like you losing those people was very painful very painful however like I said now being on the other side of it I don't flinch, you know, when I get a message from a friend because the friends that I have are the ones that I love dearly and that love me and take me for who I am and take me for all my faults and all that stuff and my my madness and my crying and my, you know, my... Mm. Ah, they, they do, so I don't need to worry mm. about any of the friends that I have now, to be honest, but it is a difficult process. So I understand why people are hesitant sometimes to, you know, go mm. into that place. Yeah, and I think you're so right, and it isn't easy. Um, but what is important, I think, is finding maybe community with like-minded people, and there's so many. I know when people come and work um, in group sessions, they'll say that it's it's what you learn is the lessons, and you get you, the coaching. But actually, it's the community. It's like people that are there that are. It's like your ultimate you know, sisterhood, accountability, people never judge you and everyone's the same. Everyone is. Some people are further on in their journey. Some people are at the beginning of their journey. But I think when you you can't unsee it, Natalie, when you know deep within your soul that this this isn't it, there's more and I need to start honouring myself more and honouring my needs and speaking my truth. Just take those little baby steps. But on that that side of it is freedom it's true freedom from within and and you can't unsee it when you know because it will just that little gentle whisper it starts with a whisper so I would say to people listen to the whisper before it becomes a scream yeah a hundred percent definitely and you're so right about like-minded people yeah I've, I've said this many times over on my own podcast is that when the moment that I felt genuinely accepted for who I was was when I had my first live event and it was all about kind of I call it beauty and wellness and you know there's lots of lovely shopping and pop-up stands and then but we had a really amazing discussion um with a panel a panel of people about five of us and then about 90 women in the audience 
And the first thing I did was, and I was shaking like a leaf, was, hi, my name's Natalie and I really struggle with anxiety. And I just started crying my eyes out. And I was on the stage, you know, and it was really, Natasha was there that day. And she's such a person that gave me so much confidence to do that because my confidence was just flat on the floor. (laughs) But in, in that moment, so many of the other ladies like turned to each other and went oh that's me and that's Mm -hmm. me and that's me and in that moment in that room I was like oh my god like oh my god nobody's laughing at me nobody's nobody's like yeah no no I didn't die nobody's taking the mick out of me nobody's laughing at me nobody's saying I'm weak nobody and I just genuinely in that moment it was really terrifying but by the end of the evening, when people came up to me and said, I'm so thankful that I was able to be in the room tonight because I'm going taking away so much and I now know that I'm not on my own. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. you know. And, and, oh. and then that continued then. And then that really spurred me on to do everything else that I've done with my, my business and my platform just to just to really like speak to those people because I think yeah. you're my people you get it you're you know you know, yeah. you know you know that's feeling in the I chest know. you know that pain you know well, it and, unconditional like yeah. love and acceptance that no one wants you to change no one and, and actually people are like like hold it like like share like and and god I felt that emotion as you shared that I felt like I was in the room I'm like oh my god I'm there with you because what you've done, Natalie, is potentially not only changed someone's life, but maybe even saved someone's life by just being you. Because you cannot go wrong in life when you are just you. Like you can't fail. You can't fail. And I wanted to ask you, right, as you said that, and this is a beautiful like to move into future and actually the present and future for you. By doing that, it's allowed you to like that inner freedom and also manifesting and attracting things to you that are so much more in alignment because you've got some really like you know you talked about your podcast the capsule and um the events and things that you run so tell us a little bit about that but I also want you to tell us about you know I know you can't say too much but being able to step into your power and your authentic vulnerability, what is it allowing you to create right now for your future? Yeah, so honestly, this year has been absolutely incredible for me, if I'm honest. I feel, feel like in March I went to bed and it was really tough. You know, we just in that like that lockdown and I had so much business pulled from under me during January and I was like Jesus you know what we're going to do my the entertainment industry was basically Mm -hmm. on its backside and and I just just, I really powered through and I was like doing Instagram lives because I've just felt the same like people were feeling like me and and it was so lovely to have that ownership of my own platform whether whether it be Instagram or whether it be the website and you know my website very much kind of it's a happy place to go. It's a nice place. There's good news on there. There's lots of advice. There's fashion, well-being. And if you go on the um, on our official capsule Instagram, it's it's all lovely, nice, positive things. That's what I wanted people to scroll when they went on my page. Was something that would you could take away that would make you feel good, that would make you feel connected, and you know that you were speaking to people that were like-minded. And so I did my Instagram lives, and I really persevered 
because I just felt like no I I want to speak to people like and I know other people are feeling like me so then other people can join in with us and they can chat with us and you know I'm going to get this podcast done this next series if it kills me and, and I did and and then in March I kind of went to bed one night and then woke up and I literally landed like two amazing jobs you know incredible jobs which again I can't really say too much about my podcast did really 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 well and I was going into the summer like a different person like I was living a different person's life and I was genuinely thanking God thanking Jesus thanking the universe thanking everything and everyone I could thank just to say you know God thank you so much thank you thank you because I genuinely felt like I'd been in such a a difficult period as had everybody else really been in that tough time you know we were homeschooling I felt at the end of my tether and so like totally (laughs) and it's it's allowed me though because as you said by being myself and by being me which I never even three or four years ago three years ago probably I never would have done the Instagram lives that I do where I'm so honest I never would have done this I never would have done this and talked very openly about my anxiety I did an interview very recently um, with a magazine and the lady that interviewed me has known me pretty much all the way through my career and she was she was talking to me about the podcast and she was like Natalie I cannot believe that you suffer with anxiety. I have never known that. And I said, yeah, because I did a really good job of hiding it because it wasn't something that you could talk about in our industry, particularly because you look like you would be flaky or, you know, you wouldn't be able to do the job and then you're a liability. So I said, I never discussed it ever. I said, but there were times, yeah, when it was really, really hard for me and I never said it. And she was like, I can't believe it. I've been interviewing you for like, what, 15 years and I can't believe it. I said, well that just shows you how the world is changing and it Mm -hmm. shows you how you know I'm so happy now that I don't have to sit on these interviews and pretend to you all all fabulous and lovely I'm happy to be able to say you know oh my god I've got really bad anxiety today in the same way that I would say god I've got a bloody bad headache today Mm -hmm. I said "I'm, I'm so happy that I can do that because walking around putting that mask on day in day out pretending all the time that everything's lovely when actually there's waves that come that are Mm -hmm. uncontrollable and you know I'm sure I'm always going to have to face that it's part of kind of who I am however I've spoken to some amazing people I've got some great tools now to you know put it back in its box or ride the wave because that's all it is yeah it's just an emotion yeah just an emotion it's gonna go yeah it will go it's a natural process in your body you know if you're producing adrenaline you'll ride it out or go for a run or move it around your body I've learned how to feel it feel it and exactly yeah so in doing so you know I've, I've been able to meet some incredible people I've been asked to do lovely things but as you said things that really really inspire me and that I'm passionate about and that are more me more the real me not what people have either seen in a character or you know that I've put out previously that is really who I am and and I'm good and I feel good with that you know I feel I'm happy about that yeah I'll still cry and I always will but I don't really care (laughs) Crying is good though, right? Actually, it's just energy in motion. 
Well, that's it. And I don't need to kind of, you know, hide it away so much now. I, I, I say it as it is and I'm very frank about it. And it's like you can either choose to still hire me or not. You know? It's inspiring, Natalie. It's really inspiring because what you're showing is you can still be successful. You can still be in amazing, you know, films and shows and have amazing podcasts and, and a, a, a great family you can still have all these things and have anxious feelings oh yeah 100%. there's just feelings we give everything a label you know we, we 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 like to label everything right so we do give it a label but actually you know I say to clients and I, and anxious feelings can feel so overwhelming I had a client and and I introduced her you know I've got anxiety I, I am an anxious person I've got anxiety And I said to her, why don't we reframe that? Why don't we say, I have anxious feelings? Yeah. And straight away, because she'd had it for like 18 years, and straight away she said, wow, I've never thought about that. I've labelled myself as an anxious, I I am, you know, an anxious person. And and she said, and just saying, actually, I get anxious feelings. it's like something's just lifted straight away. And I'm not saying, you know, there's different levels and I understand that, but if we actually reframe it and and see it as part of us, it's an anxious feeling. And how would we nurture a child that felt scared? We would love them unconditionally. We would hug them. We would hold space for them. And we all have that in our child and we all have those emotions just because we're grown-ups now. It doesn't mean that we don't feel feelings and let's nurture and, and, and love ourselves as we would a small child and allow those emotions to be felt. Um, I, just... I, I also think though as well, what's really important and what's happening now, and this is the biggest thing for me, which is why I continue with it. And, you know, I love that you're, you're continuing with this work is that... that what, <laughs> In previous years, you know, there's always been that shame and guilt attached. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that's made it 20 times worse. You know, whereas we've I've said before, if someone had a really bad arm, you wouldn't push them in the arm, would you? You'd, you'd leave no. them. You, or, or if they went, okay. oh, I can't, dri- I can't drive today because my arm's killing. All right, love, no worries. So it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like you need to give the things that go on with you mentally, you know, and they do have a physical impact on your body. I'm really glad that the conversation has like pretty much massively changed in the last five years so that when we are suffering any form of poor mental health, you know, it's a, it's taken seriously, but B we can be so frank about it that it becomes normal. So it Mm -hmm. becomes, like I said, like a headache going, Oh, my bloody anxiety. My friend will go, you got bloody anxiety again. I'm like, I know, it does my head in. It drives me mad. As if it's the same thing as like, oh, I've got an headache again. You've got a bloody headache. Because then, then I can live with it. Then I'm not hiding it. Then I'm not, you know, excusing it or Mm. or there's shame attached or there's guilt attached. It just is. It just is. And when it just is, you're not giving it that weight. Aha, uh-huh, the power. We think that uh, by not speaking about it, we're, we're, we're keeping our power. We're actually giving our power away. We're giving it more power. And actually, if we maybe spoke about our feelings more, we wouldn't have headaches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and um, you know, things like IBS and stomach things and um, autoimmune and all, all of these things, you know, that are created from 
us repressing so many emotions. And when you just said shame there, again, shame is a narrative that we've taken on through not meeting the expectations of someone else. You know, when someone's like, I just feel real shame around that. Well, actually, it's because you haven't been meeting the needs or, or the expectations of how society or how people think we should be. I feel shame and I've got so much shame. Shame is just someone else's stuff they're putting on you. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, like shame on you. And I say to people, when someone says to you, shame on you, just say, you know, don't put your shame on me. <laughs> yeah. Shame on me. It's such an old fashioned saying that, isn't it? It's like from back in the olden days, like, oh, shame, 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 shame on you. It's kind of like so Shakespearean almost. And it's like <laughs> the world has moved on so much and particularly for women as well and our roles in society, you know, don't be like pointing the finger at me, you know. Don't put your shame on me. Yeah, if somebody actually feels really content in their decision making, High five. <laughs> yeah. High five, sister. <laughs> High five. Oh my God, I've loved this conversation. Aww, Natalie, what okay. are your plans for the next sort of couple of months? What do we need to look out for, support you with? How can we support you? Well, you can, uh, the next series of the podcast, um, Catchfilling Conversation, will be launching on the 5th of September and will be available every Sunday at 8pm. So you can go and find us on Apple, Google, all of all of the major podcast ones. Yeah. But also as well, um, I've started a new TV job, which hasn't been announced just yet. So I will be on that job until into the new year as well so that's really exciting um and then just head over to the capsule website which is www.thecapsule.co.uk you can sign up to our newsletter and just be part of the gang yes i love it more community so i'm going to put all the links to everything that you said podcasts capsule all of it in the show notes natalie thank you thank you thank you so much i've loved this conversation oh and me too thank you so much for having me it's been really lovely and really inspiring and you know just uplifting and revelatory as well so thank you so much you're so welcome